And there there is a small message for Horn to do. Goblin should piss in front of their chair. You guys are exposed to the beauty of Sentry Soul. You guys have agreed upon yourselves to break the travel between two parts. It's just like rapid footsteps and then like it stops. And then more footsteps and it stops. And then they turn. There's a goblin standing there. Hello, friends. I've been traveling with you for some time, but you did not see us yet. Wait, everyone, put your, put your we- Oh, oh, thank, thank the gods. I thought, thought you might have killed him. Uh, I did notice that you had a particular interest in the one called Faith. I'm a friend of the family. To be honest, I sometimes find this stuff a little funny in some ways, in, in a crude way. I mean, when faced with these horrible, terrible things, sometimes you just have to laugh in fate's face. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Serial. An epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? Then it was the time for you guys to wake the turtle and the goblin you guys then go to sleep and the other two take on the charge yes i'm gonna actually stay up for two hours because i don't need to sleep all got it because i only need to rest for four hours and that's my long rest well y'all have a great watch nothing bad happened uh you enjoy yourselves, okay? I'm gonna take a little cat nap. And Seeker's gonna, Seeker's gonna like put their bedroll out and just curl up in a ball in the middle of it. You get some well-deserved rest, my friends. You did very well. All right, uh, those who are staying up, perception. Am I allowed to do it for two hours? Sure, for the first two hours. I'm, I'm technically still up and still sitting with these two crazy folk. I got an eight. I got a 23, again. I got a 7, so it's just you. <laughs> Methuselah, you never lost your ability to look around. You're dis there is distractions around you, but that does not stop you from keeping alert. Nothing distracts you from the two hours that you stay up, and you notice everything. Especially the fact that the goblin and the turtle are not watching really well. 
grandpa's falling asleep <laughs> and Thorn is just like pointing out crazy things in the air. I imagine Thorn is like digging as fast as he can in the snow and like rolling in it like an overly excited dog. The mortis is just like like a like a grandpa. He's like, stop that! You're going to get sick. After a few moments of that, you guys finally sit down. Well, Thorn, are you are you relieved that you can finally walk out and about without having to climb into my shell? I need a chair. I need to pee. Meth- Methuselah, do you do you have any sort of? Do you know? My friend here has an issue where. He can only relieve himself under a chair. I do not have any sort of magic that could do something like that, but you know what sometimes works as a chair is a stump. You can sit on a stump and use it as a chair. Quite eloquent. So if we find a stump that is chair-sized, I suppose that would be a good place to relieve oneself. Yes! Let us find this stump! And there's the explanation for why we're both just zero on our perception checks. We're just looking for a stump. On a tree line that is 20 feet away from camp. I feel like while, while Thorne is like running around looking for a stump, uh, Mortis just sits back down and he looks towards Mavisla and he's like, oh, well, Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, I was happy to sort of help. I am very creative, so I'm sort of good with these sort of things. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody is. I mean, as much as I love the lad, he's, he's, he's hard to deal with sometimes. He reminds me of a child. Yes, a very, a very active child. <laughs> he, he definitely keeps you young. <laughs> well, something has to these days. Not much life left in this old man. Well, uh, I hope this isn't too much of a prying question, but I was wondering, why are you here on this quest? Truth be told, I, I never thought that I would travel, but I, uh, and he like sort of, he looks down a bit, like he's a little somber remembering something. Uh, my, my wife and I, we lived together in Lestri in the, in the total community. Uh, unfortunately, one day she she fell ill with this mysterious ailment. Uh, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. My own healing and even her own healing magic was useless against it. And unfortunately, I lost her. Oh, I'm so har- sorry to hear. This this illness was unlike anything I'd ever witnessed. It was more like a curse or transformation of sorts. Well, it, it began as just some discoloration on her skin and there were patches of fur and feathers even. <clears throat> the worst of it was in her bouts of lucidity she would have this ferocious anger unlike anything I'd ever witnessed. It was hard to see her like that, but... Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm rattling on. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear about that. Uh, losing a loved one is, is definitely very hard. Uh, unfortunately, I can understand that circumstance. Uh, my own wife is actually ill right now with a 
disease. It doesn't sound like the same sort, but uh, I can understand the, the pain and desperation. Uh, disease is the worst of all killers in my mind. There's no enemy to hate, no force to overcome, simply just this ailment of nature. Indeed, and I think the hardest part of it is the helplessness that you feel. There's nothing really you can do but sort of watch. Indeed. The worst of it is, in my faith, uh, I I am a paladin of the goddess She. Uh, I'm sure, I believe you're somewhat aware. She teaches that death is a natural part of life, not something to be feared, part of a natural cycle. And as much as I, as much as I accept that it was her time, it is difficult to live knowing that we did not get to experience a full life together. Oh yes, I, I, I do share that, that sentiment of death is natural, but it is also very, very painful. Uh, but, uh, so you left Lestri after that, or? Yes, uh, after her loss, I was enveloped in lore. I needed to discover myself and where my place with my faith was. When I heard of the apple, it intrigued me. I knew that it could not do anything for my wife, but with the teachings of she, I, I thought it my responsibility to determine that it not end up in the wrong hands. The power over life and death is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, I, I do suppose that is a, a very noble thing to do. What, what will you do if you find it? <sighs> to be frank with you, I'm not sure. There were, no, there were darker days in my travel where I considered destroying it, but uh, those, those were simply ramblings. I, I suppose I'll have to see when we find it, but uh, I'm certain of one thing. I don't, I don't want it to fall into the wrong hands, or into the hands of those who would sell it off for coin. It's far too important for that. Oh, I do, do I do agree. In the meantime, Thorn is going through the woods and he is lucky enough to find a small stump. It must have been cut a day or two ago by some sort of lumberjack, but he does find a stump and he's able to relieve himself. As on the way back, Thorn starts to feel his smile creep up to a very wide, wide grin. He probably gets mad for a split second and like takes a bite out of some tree bark and then rips open his book and looks at it. In the book, the first two pages that are perpetually empty says this small message. Dogs and pets bring gifts to their friends when they are happy. Bring a gift to your friends, a handful of snow. He is like, yippee! And he just like puts together a snowball and starts pushing it so that it gets bigger. And he's just going to keep pushing it all the way back to camp. I feel like a check is needed after a certain while. It gets too big, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Like we're talking here about at least 20 feet of 
distance. Oh my so god. After 10 feet, the uh, the size of the snowball gets the size of thorn. So at that point, please roll for me an athletics check. A five. After a little while, the snowball that you're bringing is so big that you don't have the strength to push it. Something comes to your mind. If you can't bring the whole thing, you might as well surprise them with smaller versions of that. You know that... <laughs> you know that video of the corgi aggressively attacking the head of lettuce? That's what <laughs> Thorn is like at first. He just like aggressively starts like biting it in anger. And then that idea comes to mind. So he creates as many snowballs as he can physically carry. You create at least six seven snowballs and you're carrying it on you like uh, cradling it with both hands but not too many of them enough for you to not be able to use your other hand you are now very close to the camp what do you do he runs towards it running going on a pace uh you guys start to notice the little goblin coming towards the camp with something like cradling something at, at this distance unfortunately is kind of difficult especially with the darkness this does not bode well for us should i be concerned probably oh no thorn runs over and he's like the goblins is thorn i have a gift for you you what what type of gift my friend he drops all the snowballs on the ground uh, a group of six or seven little uh, spheres of snow falls into the ground. I low-key thought you were just gonna pelt us with them. <laughs> Same. Oh, those are quite uh, good craftsmanship on those snowballs. Do you like it? I think they're wonderful. Thorn picks one up and throws it at Methuselah <laughs> in excitement. Roll a, uh, <laughs> roll it. Roll a ranged attack, yeah. Roll well, initiative. <laughs> 18. That definitely hits. Imagine like where do you where do you, where do you hit him? Go ahead. He probably just like throws it at your chest. Full impact from the snowball hits the chest of Methuselah, completely exploding in contact with the rib cage uh, decoration that you have there. Oh my, that was quite exhilarating. I'm gonna pick one up. You're throwing back. <laughs> Seventeen. Does it hit? Yep. And uh, where do you hit? Um, just like probably the chest, same area. I just kind of whoop it, but very gently and gingerly. It does hit your chest neck area. You're a small creature, so the center mass is actually quite small and hard to, to hit. But it's very gently. I'm not, I'm just more like just dropping it. Thorn like shrieks in excitement and then he like grabs them and just starts like pelting Methuselah <laughs> with wanna... them. Can I run away to like try to get away from being pelted? <laughs> yes. You know, like a little kid and an adult. Mortis, you see this scene unfold of the goblins starting to pelt snowballs at the elf and the elf starts running half giggling? Yeah. You probably don't hear it. And that's, you're supposed to be watching the night. Uh, Mortis, I feel like he's still sitting, like he probably doesn't get up and join them, but like, 
He does, he, like, seeing this, he does let out, like, a low smile, just because, you know, he was talking about something pretty heavy, so he's like, ah. My son. (laughs) Look at my son. (laughs) So as Methuselah kind of gets caught up in this moment of cheeriness, their hood kind of comes off, and it reveals more of their face. So they do have elven features, um, very, like, thin, sunken in face that is very, very pale. Um, The cheekbones are all sunken in. The eyes are sunken in a bit. And from the eyes, there are these black tears that are just permanently on their face. It just goes down. Uh, And then on top of it all, there is this kind of like skull, like white skull that is painted on. And their hair is like a nest of black with all through it. There are these like chrysanthemums that are just kind of tangled in it. When Thorin sees Methuselah's face, he stops chasing him and like has like a little bit of a freak out, I guess. He kind of like spins around, really confused like, and he goes, Oh, Thorns is sorry enough for me to make you cry. Uh, Methuselah is then gonna notice that the hood has fallen and just kind of like pull it on and tuck it over like really hard to like, oh shit, that you didn't, you weren't supposed to see that and be like, oh, oh no, it's, it's, it's all right. This is just sort of my face. This is sort of what it looks like. Why do you cry all the time? Oh, well, um, you see, I was, when I was young, I lived with this noble family. I was adopted, you see, but they didn't like me because they had this other child that was this bright student of magic. So they locked me away in the tower that they had, and I had no windows, no lights, no books or toys. So I just sort of rotted away in there. My face became all pale and sullen, and these tears would fall from my eyes. I sort of lost myself there. And that's sort of why my face looks like this. I love how extra you are. (laughs) (laughs) Thorn kind of looks at you and he goes, so, uh, uh, Thorns is just thinking, thinking hard. One second. And he kind of looks up and goes, yes, 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 I, yes. Thorns is asking, they asked for you. Was it the horse? Was it allergic reaction? Or was it the tower? Oh, oh it was the tower. I, I don't, I don't remember these sort of other things that you're talking about. Thorn kind of thinks to himself and he's trying to like think like because Thorn constantly doubts his own memory and he's thinking he's like but Yuza says when you was talking to the cats that you were afraid of horses because a horse kicked you and then you said to to the cats that you were allergic to to bad smelling cracker but now you says that you were in a tower. Oh no, I never said any of those things. Thorns is remembers. Can I do a deception? Go around ahead. 17. 11. Oof. You know what? Maybe you was the voices that said that. Okay. I love that. And the two of you come back to the fireplace. You're a small camp. Well, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a rest now, so I'll leave you two to the rest of the watch. Indeed. Uh, thank you for keeping us company, and uh, 
I appreciate that we're able to talk about the things we've lost. Yes, it, it was good. You both are very good company, and I'm happy to have you guys to be my friends on these travels. Of course. Thorne approaches Methuselah and holds out a snowball for him to take. I will take the snowball with me as I go find a tree and, like, hang out under it. Before Methuselah walks away, when Thorne gives him the snowball, he looks at him and goes, don't lose it. <laughs> and then he turns and just walks away. Thank you. I will have nightmares now. And then Thorne goes and, like, sits beside Mortis. Did you have your fun, my friend? Yes. Good. What was the elves talking about? About talking about the losses? Oh, uh, just, just an old man's tale. Uh, nothing, nothing worth concerning yourself with right now. Turtles tell such funny tales. When Thorin lived in the swamp, he saw turtles only swimming in the water. I wonder if I should have picked them up and asked them what tales they have to say. Well, if it's a story you want, I do have quite a few. Yes. You remember earlier when I was mentioning that I once had a run-in with a dragon? Dragons, yes. Hmm. I was helping to guard a caravan against bandits, and eventually they led us into the lair of an adolescent green dragon. Adolescent? What does that word mean? Ah, uh, it means young. Not you. You are old. <laughs> <laughs> True enough, my friend. Myself and my allies fought bravely against the creature, and we managed to we managed to force it to flee, but not before it landed a brutal attack with its breath weapon. It struck me with a deadly poison that coursed through my entire body. Poison? Yes! Thorn knows that sometimes if you eat certain berries, they poison you, and then you have to be at the stump for a very long time. True enough, but good to keep that in mind while we're in the wilderness here. Uh, so anyways, this attack was so brutal, so catastrophic, that, that I suffered a permanent injury to the point where even to this day, any sort of poisonous attack leaves me weakened. Oh, so affordances were to crush up the berries and put them in a tea for you to drink, it would be good. But that would be very bad, and Thorn would not do that. Well, the will of my goddess protects me against disease. However, direct damage such as that of acid or like what the green dragon produced would leave, would ultimately leave me helpless. Oh, okay. The lesson there, my friend, is never battle a dragon and lose. Thorn nods. Wise words with Mortis. That's, that's that's a great that's a great lesson. Don't lose a fight against a dragon. The more you know, kids. Wow. <laughs> that's. I paid forty thousand dollars to get a college degree, and that's what I learned. Thorn nods, and he seems to be like nodding along, and then like zero point two seconds later, he looks like he's about to fall asleep. You should rest up a bit, my friend. I, I can handle the rest of our watch. 
you didn't even have to say that he was already gone. Mortis picks up Thorn and puts him into his little bedroll and like tucks him in. He's like, rest up, my friend. Rest up. And with that, you spend the rest of the watch in quiet meditation. Vigilant watch. And there's news here and there. But then the sun rises from the east. And the brightness allows you guys to wake up. Slowly, but wake up. So that you guys may proceed with the rest of your journey towards the Sunless Citadel. Um, when Seeker wakes up, they stretch very much like a cat. But usually, like, if their mom is nearby, she'll say, oh, big stretch. But nobody says that to Seeker this morning because nobody knows to say it. And so they're just a little bit sad that nobody said, oh, big stretch. <laughs> Take 1d4 depression damage. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And I probably gained some benefit from it because I benefit from depression. <laughs> okay, so I, I took two depression damage. Thorn probably when he wakes up, like goes to where Methuselah is to make sure that he protected the snowball. Sure. Uh, did the snowball last, Katya? Yeah. So I kept I kept the snowball um, protected by my side, and I'm. When, like, Thorn comes and finds me, I'm just playing my hurdy-gurdy. Just a light tune. When Thorn hears the hurdy-gurdy, he puts his hands over his ears and screams. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, friend. I, I'm sorry that my, my music has disturbed your morning and with his all stop. He leans down and slowly grabs the snowball and he throws it at him. Try to hit me. 18. Yeah, that hits. Another powerful impact from the snowball hits uh, Methuselah. Well, um, I guess I sort of deserve that. Quite an early morning wake up. Where did the screams come from? I'm not sure what screams you're referring to. Are there little people inside of your box? I kind of like give it a look over, turning it around and... I, I don't think anyone uh, lives here. I mean, there could be a ghost. I don't know. I don't know what happened to Yorick. His soul might have maybe gone into such an instrument. Maybe he's inside of it. And now when you turn it, it squeezes his body and he screams. Perhaps. That doesn't sound like a very nice fate. Um, but it still plays beautiful music, I'd say. It's very loud. Sometimes. Uh, well, I'm going to see the others. See how they're doing. Okay. And he follows Methuselah. I'll walk back to where Seeker and um, your boy Mortis is. Thorn probably like grabs the end of your coat and is like walking behind you holding it. That's very cute. I just realized, did you even bring the stump back? How are you going to pick up a stump? With your bare hands. <laughs> you know that has roots in the ground, right? Not with muscles. I have a plus zero strength. Do better. <laughs> I have a negative two, so who is the strong one here? That is you. That's Yo your boy. responsibility, Mortis. Yeah. yeah. You're the strong one, not us. My point is, now we, uh, we have to find some sort of chair-like device anytime you need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> This is storytelling, folks. 
You know how most people are like, oh, we don't narrate our characters going to the bathroom. Today we do. Today it has story relevance. The deep lore of Thorn's piss. All right. So you guys have your morning. Eat your rations to be able to continue on with the day and proceed forward. There were many hours of stretches as you guys are still within this very beautiful and picturesque road. Then the road ends for you guys as you guys need to now head towards the wilderness in order to reach the Sunless Citadel on top of the knoll as it was described previously. The wilderness, it's beautiful at times. There are patches of forests here and there, but the grass starts to dwindle in quantity as a more rocky and mountainous environment slowly transforms the environment around you. And in the snow, you guys ascend. It's not that much of a, of a climb, still like a very gradual ascension but still a good like mile ascension is it like climbing that would require feline ability to climb or is it like just no. like a hill it is just a hill kind oh, of okay um how how close would we be to destry right now you're literally at the border of destry all right at, at the end of this knoll Technically, you are at this tree. Is there still snow around here? Or is it like more rocky? More rocky, but you can see patches of snow here and there. As we're kind of walking, um, as we get to kind of the more mountainous region, um, Thuzel is going to be like, Oh, and don't forget to look at the skies. There could be dragons flying about. Their, their empire stretches throughout this region. So I'd be very careful. You do not want to be kidnapped by a dragon. Are there any, like, trees nearby? Not in the moment that you are right now, in the area that you are right now. There were before. Okay. All right. Cool. Does Thor know about any kind of dragon empire? No. Uh, on the other hand, if Seeker or Mortis would like to maybe do a check, history check. Seeker, you do with advantage due to the proximity of Tom's rest with the lands of Destry. Five. I also got a five. Y'all believe my words. You guys hear that. And take it for face value that you guys should be concerned for dragons. Based on some of your experiences, you more than understand as to why. But something seems odd about that statement of Methuselah's. And the weird part is because you guys don't know what. At least not right away but then this thought is set aside as you guys reach the summit of this knoll and although this knoll is quite large with a summit quite big it's impressive to see how there is basically a scar on this knoll a scar so wide and so deep that is equivalent of a canyon, cutting this knoll almost halfway. And 
It's a massive drop. A sandy ledge overlooks the subterranean gulf of darkness to the west. The ledge is wide but rough. Sand, rock debris, and the bones of small animals covers the area around you. A rough hue, stairwell, zigzags on the ledge, descending into the darkness. As you guys are within this area, what would you guys like to do? The chasm in front of you is easily 250 feet wide, like across from you guys. On the map, does it show any way to get down? You said there are stairs, right? Yeah, on the side of the ledge, there seems to have been carved some sort of stairs. They're very narrow. They're very precarious. But it's clearly a way down. Thorn starts going towards them, and he looks at Methuselah and goes, Last one down gets eaten by a dragon! And then he starts going down the stairs. All right. And I'll just go at a normal pace. <laughs> and um, Seeker's going to follow Methuselah. And Mortis will go at a normal old man turtle pace. <laughs> at the moment that Thorn starts to make his way towards the stairs, he reaches the first step. And as he turns so he can start the descent down this carved path, hissing greets him. As he sees that there was a small group of rats, but these rats are big, the size of a bulldog big. And he hisses, three of them, looks at Thorn and charges towards them. Thorn, when they hiss at him, Thorn goes back. Like a cat. With equal intensity. Seeker's just gonna go. Methuselah is, is surprised as Thorn out of nowhere jumps backwards to return on his stride. And with that, three giant rats appears to attack you. And not only that, there seems to be skittering that gives you the impression that there's more on the way too. Let us everybody roll initiative now. Oh, first initiative. All right. Uh, Seeker. Six. Methuselah. Dirty 20. Florn. 23. And Mortis. Three. <laughs> Top of the round. Florn. Florn as his free action matches the intensity of the hissing very violently. I wanted to explain that there are three rats just at the front of the stairs in front of you, and behind them appears three more rats. He hisses at the rats, see that like there's more of them, is like, no, and runs to, <laughs> runs to his emotional um, support turtle, and then do the best thing warlocks can do, and he's gonna whip an Eldritch Blast at one of the rats. I got a 15. 15 hits. So as Thorn starts casting this spell, he kind of just like puts his hands in a fist. And as he does so, this kind of like red energy seems to like seep out of them and form into this ball of flowers. And he basically throws it like a baseball and this ball of glowing purple flowers goes flying and when it smashes into the rats it explodes in colors and a pleasant fruity smell and in that explosion of fragrant fruitiness and colors 
the rat is completely decimated. Thorn goes, yeah! To assert his dominance. Um, and then he's going to take one step to the side to be behind Mortis, like the little coward he is. Methuselah, it is your turn. I can't see any more rats that are coming, correct? No. Not uh, yet. Seems like all the rats are here. So then I'm going to move back to where everyone else is, and then I'm going to cast Bane, so they need to do uh, Charisma saving throws. That is a fail for Wrath B. It's a 15. Passes. A 6 for Wrath B. He fails as well. Methuselah kind of swings around Yorick and starts to play circus music. And these, as he plays, uh, the instrument's kind of strings become violet as from kind of out of nowhere, these sort of bright, colorful spotlights come down and flash on to the two rats kind of directly over them as I'm playing circus music. So they get 1d4 taken away from their attacks or ability. Anything else you'd like to do? Can I move behind somebody? Sure. You can either move behind Mortis and Thorn or behind Seeker. I'll go behind Seeker. I was going to say, just everyone piles up behind me. <laughs> Hide behind the paladin meat shield. Do you imagine like a clown car of like cowards just hiding behind the big boy? Next is Rat E. This rat is closest to Seeker. It makes its way 10 feet and closes the distance tries to hit you with a bite attack as fast as he, as it can, but you're quicker and you avoid the damage of the bite. Then giant rat F closes the distance and it stops just beside giant rat E. It now tries to attack you, Seeker, and due to their pack tactics, they get an advantage. All right, this one was a 21 to hit. As the jaws of the rat sinks in their two predominant teeth within the skin of the Tabatsu. A total of four points of piercing damage inflicted. Rat D is now on the move as it pushes and closes the distance to Mortis and goes for an attack. It hits against the shell as its predominant teeth are pretty much repelled by the sturdiness of your shell. That's gotta hurt. See, if Mortis was a more cheesy character, I'd be like, you just got shell-shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Inspiration. Inspiration right now. That is true. Inspiration for you, my good man. Thank you. All right, that is all for Rat D. Rat C comes in and goes straight for Mortis as well. This one has advantage. A natural 20. Ruh -ruh. A total of 8 piercing damage. This one did not get shell-shocked. Instead, it went through the shell and connected to the skin underneath. It was super effective. Oof. This is canon, right? The, the, whenever Mortis gets hit, he just says, oof. Yeah, he's like a Minecraft character. <laughs> <laughs> Seeker of the Wind, finally is your turn. So, um, yeah, we're gonna, uh, they're gonna pull their rapier out and they're gonna, like, kind of, like, try and stab one of the rats. <laughs> In like a downwards motion. Does a 24 hit? Yes, it does. Cool. So it gets um, eight piercing damage. 
apish doing damage as you skewer the rat under your blade. They are dead. They've skewered the rat, and they're gonna... They're gonna make a mental note. Or can't they just take it off of the blade and shove it in a pocket in their backpack? I don't think you can do that mid-combat, though. <laughs> But later, I think okay. you can. Okay, cool. Seeger's so like, finally some good food. <laughs> Snack time. The cat castle does not have a rodent problem, and it never will. I wonder why. <laughs> Rat B charges in, and this one, with 15 feet, is able to close in to Thorn. It is just close enough also to have its pack tactics activated. A total of 23 to hit. Yeah, I think that just hits. Just hits. <laughs> and a total of four damage is inflicted as this giant rat is able to take a bite out of the thorn. That is all for the rat B. Mortis. Mortis is gonna be like, just like grunts and he's gonna move aside his, his cloak and revealing like the sheath of his greatsword on the side of his shell. He's gonna like grab it. Just pull it out. I assume that would be his bonus action. Yeah. Um, and he's just gonna slash down on top of that rat. 17 damage. 17 hits. 13 damage. <sighs> the swing of the sword descends upon the rat and divides the rat in half. And then he just like glances over at Thorn and gives him like a, a wholesome smile. <laughs> I just killed a rat for you. He doesn't say that. That's, that's just me. For you, my son. He does the Wugway smile, right? <laughs> yeah. Thorn's doing that gross thing dogs do where, like, if they get an injury, they, like, lick and bite the crap out of it. He's like... Second round. Thorn. Um, Thorn will step to the side so that he's not behind Mortis. And he is going to cast... Pull the dead on the rat that it has Bane on it, so it has to make a wisdom saving throw. And you do subtract the 1d4. Indeed, yes. Does zero pass? No. <laughs> so the rat will take two necrotic damage, and basically what happens is Thorn steps out from behind Mortis, and he kind of like starts jumping and spinning in a circle like stomping his feet and when he does the snow under his feet turns green and what appears in the air around the rat are these bell-shaped flowers that actually have like a checkered magenta and purple um, pattern to them and they kind of wave in the wind and when they wave they make the sound like wind chimes and with each ring of the bell, the giant rat squirms and squeals in agony. And then uh, Thorn will step back behind Mortis, and that is his turn. I like the picture he just jumps on top of Mortis' shell, does the spell, and just jumps back down. <laughs> Methuselah, it is your turn now. Um, so, are there any that are any left that were affected by the bane? Just the same one that Thorn just attacked. Alright, I'd like to cast Vicious Mockery on that one. So, do me a wisdom save. 
14. That fails. So basically what happens is Methuselah plays and the color of the uh, strings kind of stay the same. So he plays an upbeat kind of comical mocking tune, kind of like that, like, wah, wah, kind of sounds and hurls that kind of like these sound waves like at the creature. The giant rat squirms in pain and it starts to spill out streams of little red from his bulldog sized mouth. So it's affecting him quite a bit. All this pressure, this social pressure and drama and depression. <laughs> oh yes. Um, and my bonus action, I am going to play a light tune and the strings are kind of gonna go into all sorts of different colors as I'm going to give Mortis uh, inspiration. Mortis inspiration. Mortis inspiration, not the DM inspiration. But no, that's a good track record, man. The inspiration from the DM and inspiration from the bard. Hell, I'm inspired. Do use mine first, because like mine doesn't last as long. Now it's Rat F. It is quite noticeable. The shift in the battle as out of six, now there's only three, but one of them is literally on death's door. So instincts kick in. Rat F bolts, dashes from the position that they're in, and Seeker has an opportunity attack if yes. they want. Um, can I use Cat's Claws for that? Use the Cat's Claws or the Rapier, up to you. Well, the Rapier still has a rat on the end of it. You can pull it out. <laughs> pull the rat out. Oh, okay, yeah. So the rat is in... heavier than your blade. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna take. I'm gonna use the rapier instead of cat's claws. Does the twenty-three hit? Yes, it does. And it's gonna do uh, five piercing damage. A quick stab hits the side of the, the rat, but this one was not deep enough to skewer it like the other one, and it still is able to move. Limping and bleeding profusively from the side, it dashes into the stairwell and away from combat. Now it's Rat D, as he also dashes out of combat as fast as he can. This one is the one that it's literally on death's door, and it leaves out of sight of Mortis's engagement. Sure, I'm gonna do an attack with my greatsword and I'm gonna use my inspiration. Hey. That was scary. It's 1d6, right? <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know my character. 14 to hit. 14 hits. Uh, 12 damage. Jesus 12 damage. Christ, decimate uh, the rat. You raise the greatsword. And this rat that was stumbling to get out and disengage from this combat instead disengages for life. Oh no! <laughs> oh, he just disengaged from life, bucko. No. <laughs> Shell shocked! Shell shocked! Oh now it is Rat C, the one in front of Mortis, and this one also dashes away. Important to say, though. Yeah, I already used my reaction. Your reaction was used on the one that was already too close to death. Therefore, this one 
dashes away untouched <laughs> and escapes from combat. Your first encounter takes place as a few dead rats lay on your feet. How many rats? We killed four rats, right? Can I rats. collect all four of them? Yes, you can. They are all bulldog sizes. Okay. Uh, well, looks like Mortis might have to carry one for me. Or me too. Back on the menu. Um, roll for me a survival check. Oh, I'm okay at that. Ten. This is very common knowledge at Tom's Rest. Yeah. But mostly to anybody who has familiarity with survival or the out the wilderness you have knowledge on how to carve creatures if you have to and these creatures are big enough then yeah you can get at least like one to four pounds of meat out of this nice. of course it'll take a little bit of time but uh hey guys uh i was thinking we could save our rations for tonight and we can eat this awesome awesome meat do you eat this sort of thing where you're from? Well, I am, uh, for all intents and purposes, a cat, and cats do eat rats. We actually do have, admittedly, all of us partake in this, but if a rat were to find its way into the temple, we have tabaxi for that. I can't imagine what's going through that that rat's life as is being chased by a temple full of cats. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think the rats come by very much just because of that. I think it's one of those instinct things. They see Cat Castle and they're like, oh no. Well, I suppose you don't have a pest problem then. No, not not at all. It's really nice. Well, if you want to sort of cut the meat. I, I suppose we could take it. All right. It'll just take me a little bit of time. If you want to do it, yeah, it will have to be a survival check for each rat. Okay. Uh, this will determine also how much, uh, if it's successful or not. On a successful thing, you spend 20 minutes. On a unsuccessful one, you waste 10 minutes. Just like carving, but then not okay. doing really well. Could I try to help? Sure. Yeah. Try to help. How do you help out of curiosity? I have a dagger that'll just kind of watch Seeker and try to do it, but... You're gonna backseat the car. Yes, I'm just gonna have a little dagger and I'm just gonna be watching and probably doing it poorly, but a good enough job. See, my wife was the one to do this kind of stuff. I kind of sat back at... I don't know. We didn't really have a home inspired her <laughs> you inspired her yeah so for the first rat 12 that's exactly the dc you're able to roll a d4 for me and that's how many uh pounds of meat you're able to get one pound is equivalent to a ration so like one so one rations worth of giant rat meat you're getting that one was a little dingy. Yeah. For the second rat. 12 again. Roll d4. <laughs> Four? Four pounds worth of rat meat is generated out of this. 
That was the one I cut in half. Perfectly clean and sliced. Yeah, clean kill. Filet. <laughs> Red also, filet. I want to point out that I'm laughing because my die landed on top of Luai's D10. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Jumped. <laughs> Jumped. That's how we knew it was the one that Mortis helped out with. Um, uh, I got a natural 20 on one. Uh, roll a d4, and then you add it for two. Add two. Gordon Ramsay would approve. Uh, five, then. There are just bones left. You are able to take advantage of every aspect of Damn. this rat. Can I also hold on to the bones in that case? Sure. You can put it on your inventory as a little bag of rat bones. Yes! Can I have some bones, too? Can you share the bones? Yeah, yeah. So. There's enough for the two of you. Oh, right. a bone stuck that was in his throat. Fur the rat. That was the rat to so the last rat? Yeah. Uh, no, that's a 10. Passes. Oh, okay. I thought you said that you see According to my notes, here's 10, actually. Oh, oh, nice. Four other rations, or pounds nice. of meat. Damn, bro. All rats, so we have, we have a decent amount of rat meat here. Uh, by my calculations, we could split it to each have about about three rations, and then we have two left over. Does that sound okay to everybody? Oh, um, don't you worry about me. Uh, rat doesn't sit well with my stomach. Oh, all right then. Well, I, I presume you're okay with us distributing your share to the rest oh, yes. of us and having spares for when we find the people that we're looking for? Yes. You see, when I was kidnapped by a dragon for quite a number of months I did have to eat rats because the dragon didn't really feed its prisoners I mean I think it did feed us rats from time to time when we were good it would kind of let rats just scurry into the dungeon and and we could sort of catch them and eat them so I have grown a kind of dislike for rat unfortunately but I imagine it is Quite the delicacy, and I'm sure your your people from Tom's Rest cook it wonderfully. Well, I wouldn't want to cause you any trauma from that. I know that bad experiences can mean that certain foods just don't sit right in our stomachs. So I completely understand that. Thank you. You've lived a very colorful life, Methuselah. Unfortunately, I have. Life has not been too kind to me. Well, perhaps one day it'll be the subject of epics and poems. Well, I tend to like to bring inspiration to others and create songs and stories for people who are worthy of songs and stories. I am just a mere artist. Thorn looks at Methuselah and goes, Did kidnapping of you two dragon happen before or after you were locked in the tower? After. That was my childhood. Four nods. It is important to say that an hour and 20 minutes passed of all this carving and skinning of rats, um, that you guys just basically lounged around or just waited until all of this took place. Before we move on, uh, Mortis is going to approach Seeker and Thorn. Uh, my friends, uh, I saw you took some damage back in that battle. Uh, I'm not an expert healer, but uh, there is something I can do. Um, and he's gonna use 
He didn't use. Oh, go first on on Seeker. He'll use his lay on hands to to heal your wounds. How dare you heal Seeker first? I am your son. I have a new child now. All right. Well, thank you very very much. Uh, here are your four rations of rat meat and thorn. Here are your ration, your four rations of rat meat. They are rat shins. <laughs> that is horrifying. It is important to say that Thorn gets inspiration out of that. We learned the way to Pedro's heart. <laughs> you divvy up the rations that you guys weren't able to carve up, and now. You guys can proceed towards the ledge and to the darkness underneath. Unfortunately, you've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corden from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast, and the world of Nosomundos was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Now take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure. <laughs>